You are listening to a bonus episode of the Ashley and Jessica cast. I started this podcast because of my love for two of the most interesting pop stars of my time, Jessica and Ashley Simpson. But due to the overwhelming support of my amazing listeners, I have decided to expand to other pop culture topics as well. I'm going to cover any and everything that I am inspired to talk about in the world of entertainment, music, movies, TV, theater, celebrity relationships. You're going to hear it all on the Ashley and Jessica cast. I'm your host, Leah Russo. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Ashley and Jessica cast. This is a very special episode because today we are going to discuss the four-part new documentary about legend, icon, pop star, mother, movie star, everything in between Miss Janet Jackson. And I have a return guest with me who I love and I know you all love to break everything down. He hosts the amazing podcast, Planet 2000s. Welcome back, Michael Kadush. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited about this. <laughs> I'm so excited. And thank you so much for coming back on. I couldn't think of anyone better because actually the first time I spoke to you, even yeah. though our plan was to talk about Ashley and Jessica, we just somehow launched into like a 20 minute Janet discussion. <laughs> of course. That's what happens. That's just what happens. She's always relevant. There's just no time when it's inappropriate to bring her up. Yep. I agree. I I make it my mission, really, to bring her up in every possible way that I can. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm just at parties. I'm just like, yeah, 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 the food is good. Anyway, um, what do you think about Black Cat? <laughs> oh, my God. Listen, I'm having a Black Cat moment, let me tell you. Rock and roll. Same. Oh, my God. Yes. And I love, I mean, totally skipping around here and not going in any order. <laughs> I loved how Michael was like, I want you to sing it like on Black Cat. I was like, oh, I was like, that's why you you were Michael Jackson, because you know the good shit. Oh my god. And he knows her talent. And when he hears his ear was incredible, Michael's ear. Mm-hmm. And it obviously translated into Janet as well. But you see it right there in those little moments. And even that beautiful moment, again, I'm skipping around here, but that beautiful moment when Jimmy Jam is in the studio with Michael and he's just like, okay, you ready? And then he just becomes (laughs) Michael. It's like, oh my goodness, the power, the power that that has. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh my gosh. That was one of my favorite parts of the whole thing. I know it's about Janet, but I'm really happy that he told that little story because I think that that's what, us Michael fans always love about him is that sweetness and sheepishness that even Janet has a little bit of like you can tell that they're siblings you know and they were raised in the same house and everything because they have that very calm loving quiet tone about their voice and then once they turn on it's like they're possessed by yes magic magical powers of performance I mean it's you know, always captivated me. So let's start with just if anyone is listening for the first time, because now this podcast has expanded. So we're doing all these different topics. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your podcast, where to find you, etc.? Of course. Well, so my name is Michael, you guys, and I host the Planet 2000s podcast. And essentially, 
the idea behind the podcast is just to bring music lovers together and music nerds together. There's so many of us. And, you know, the era that I grew up in is the 2000s. I'm born in 95 myself. So my main formative years of my life were in the 2000s. And I've always been a huge music fan. So I was like, you know what? Let me just talk about it. And I'm sh- it was the middle of the pandemic. And I was like, people want some content and people want to find people who are interested in the same things as them. So every episode is an album. I pick an album from the 2000s and we go into it a little bit. Some are longer than others because some albums hold closer precedence to me, obviously. So we go into it in different ways. Um, I've had you on before for my Christina Aguilera stripped episode, which you guys can all go listen to. It is an awesome one, one of my favorites. And I will be having you on for more in this upcoming season, darling. So we will talk about that later. Oh my God, I'm so excited. You guys can find me on Instagram at Planet 2000s, uh, 2000s as in the actual numbers. So 2000s. And, you know, we can chat up there and you can take a listen to the podcast if you want and let me know what episodes you might want to hear. And I just love going into it. I'm, you know, right now it's a lot more pop and R&B, but, you know, I obviously want to get into more genres. I want to get into some punk rock. I want to get into some hip hop. So I'm here for the suggestions. And yeah, let's talk about music together. Let's do it. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Please go listen to Michael's podcast. It's one of my favorites. He I mean, you are just an encyclopedia of 2000s music knowledge. And yes. and I love, I love some it. 90s, too. I want to do a 90s podcast as well. It's just right now hard to find time starting new work and all. But when I find the right balance, I'm adding a 90s podcast in there. The 90s and 2000s. We love them both equally, to be honest. Oh my gosh, if you do a 90s one too, I just, I will be first in line listening right away. Well, I I hope to, that's the goal, darling, so we'll see. (laughs) Yes, and I absolutely loved doing the stripped episode with you, so make sure you guys check that one out too, but really any episode, just go find, you know, one of your favorite albums from this era, I'm sure it'll be on there, and uh, yeah, I, I love your podcast, so of course, I had to have you on, and now this is like the fourth time you've come on and yeah. I, I've loved it every single time I've been on you know we did a newlyweds moment together we did in the skin together which was such a great episode one of my favorites of this podcast not specifically just when I was on the other one as well the whole collection of episodes you did <laughs> I just loved the a I learned so much because I was like okay I feel like I know a lot but I was like damn this girl did her research research not just her research darling you know what I mean <laughs> like it was like okay I knew about in the skin after that it's a great I'm sure if you guys are listening now you've obviously heard the in the skin episode series um, but those are my favorites of yours as well so I'm so happy to be here thank you that means a lot to me because I really wanted it to be if Jessica happened to listen to the podcast because you know her she has seen my Instagram and my story and her family has liked things or, or commented or whatever and I always think like if if one of them turns this on right now will I be embarrassed or will I be <laughs> proud you know yeah. and I just really wanted if she ever heard it for her to be proud and and know that her fans acknowledge this moment in her life you know absolutely has I wonder has Jessica or Ashley ever had any moments with Janet before well, yes, there are pictures of Nick, Jessica, Jermaine Dupree, and Janet at a, I believe, a Grammys party in 2004. What? And what? yes, I always say there's three icons in the photo and then Nick. Yes, well. <laughs> um, 
And then also Jessica was a a guest at Janet Jackson's Icon right. TV show. Didn't she present um, at the show? Yes, and she that's one of my all-time favorite Jessica looks. Stunning. Yeah, I remember that one. She that was the irresistible era. She was looking flyer at that time. Oh my god. Gorgeous, gorgeous. So yes, um I don't believe Ashley has had any moments but hey i mean she's related to diana ross so i'm sure she's you know (laughs) had some connection there right and remember that clip of whitney houston saying that she liked ashley simpson that her daughter likes ashley simpson do you remember that like i remember that going around no really yeah there's a clip and i'm sure you can find it on youtube where whitney houston is on a red carpet and they ask her who's your favorite artist right now and then she's like my daughter she likes ashley simpson we really like ashley simpson and then they see another red carpet like a cut to another red carpet of um they're interviewing jessica and they're like how did she feel when she saw whitney houston like song she's like she's like oh my gosh she like lost she was so excited you know what i mean <laughs> there's no clips of ashley commenting on it but there is of jessica it's um i think it's extra but if you literally look up whitney houston ashley simpson on youtube uh you'll see it so there's still some iconery with ashley as well even though she doesn't have a janet moment not all of us can have a janet moment honey you know there you go you know janet's a very yo janet is so private i don't think anyone who's not fans of janet won't understand this but as a fan janet is so private you guys have to understand that there was a time where we did not even hear from her for like five years like literally like literally disappeared off the face of the fucking earth it's like what like so for her to be doing a documentary like this that's so revealing and so raw and personal is crazy because she never she barely did interviews in her prime like if you really look back into the 90s there was barely any interviews of janet she really did more performing um Mm -hmm. she didn't speak much so for obvious reasons you know with all the drama with the jacksons so for her to be doing this is like it's crazy it's so exciting yeah and I was really struck by her vulnerability, honesty, openness in this documentary because I feel like when she does do interviews, she sits down kind of with a little bit of a wall up because it's just her life, her family, everything is so – there's just so many topics that – you don't know if a reporter is just going to drop on her lap and maybe she won't want to talk about and stuff. So this felt very different from – how we've seen her in ages and it felt right it felt right to be watching it wasn't some unauthorized thing like you know what i mean like every time you watch those you always feel like hey but do i even believe this like this is like you watch this and you can believe this like this is her in control for lack of a better word (laughs) of her story which is a beautiful thing so i'm very happy that it's gotten such great reviews and reception and the viewership did you see 15.7 million viewers yes i reposted your post actually i screenshotted it to make sure i gave you credit yeah i didn't even find i didn't know that uh, until you posted it so that is just so awesome 15.1 million point seven darling oh point seven yes oh girl i know I'm so excited for her, and it's airing in the UK tonight. With like, a, a, there's more scenes in the one in the UK. I've noticed if you're seeing on Twitter, like there's scenes with Paula Abdul and Mariah Carey that weren't in the US version. I'm like, why would they cut that out? Um, but I'm sure the UK version will leak sometime. So I can't wait to get my hands on that. Oh yes, I mean, I would love to see so much more because I'm interested in your thoughts on this. 
I love the documentary, but I felt that there was a little too much focus on her personal relationships, which, yes, I wanted to know about, especially because, as you, you were saying, she's so private. So especially Renee, like that whole thing was always a big question mark. Like what exactly happened there? What was that? So I, I understand why they did that, but I either would have wanted that to stay in and then maybe do an additional episode or two or have less about the personal life and more of just Janet saying, okay, so for the Velvet Rope album, this was my concept. Um, this yeah. is what this song is about. This is why I chose this look for the video because there's really a more important conversation than her marriage and stuff. And that is her artistry and the visuals and the dance and I mean, the everything um, behind her actual work. So how I do you feel about that? Yeah, you know, I completely agree. Um, I feel like that's why I wish it was a 10 episode series. It's funny, at work this uh, yesterday morning, one of the producers in the morning when he was emailing me, he was like, how did you feel about the Janet? I loved it, but it was too short. Like in four episodes, it felt like it was too short. And I was like, yeah, that's my, I guess that would be my one critique is like, it was too short. It should have been a 10 episode. What should have happened is they should have done a deal with, like Netflix or Prime or um, or in Canada we have Crave in the US it's HBO Max but with some type of Netflix would have been best you know a ten episode series that is comes out because then we can get into the art like for example a whole episode on control include it like where it's an hour about control so about the personal life during that time and the album you know what I mean yes. Uh, I feel like that could have been so much better. But, you know, you have to understand is I feel like we also think this because we're like fans and we care about that stuff. I feel like it was created in a way that it can appeal to the fans, but also to people who may not care. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and, you know, it's TV at the end of the day. So they're always going to want to go with the more salacious story because it's television. That's just what it is. But I mean, the thing is, it is all true and it is all things that we did not know. So I feel like that's why that route was chosen. I feel like she probably did do enough interviews that could be used to do all of that. I think that they just probably cut things out because they have to fit it into a four hour frame of television, which is really like three hours, right? Because of commercial. Mm -hmm. I do wish that there was more music talk, but I mean, I'm not mad about it. I'm happy with what it is. I wish there was more, but I would always wish there was more. I'm, you know what I mean? <laughs> so Right. Yeah, there was never going to be an appropriate ending. If we were in charge of this documentary, it would be just a mess. We would never leave her alone. <laughs> never leave her alone, and I would be like five episodes on the Velvet Rope album. Like, it's like Alone, I need, yeah. I need to know everything. I, I do wish that there was more of them in the studio. I mean, there was a lot in the studio with Rhythm Nation. I wish I, wish I could have seen Velvet Rope in the studio, but now I feel like I'm just being greedy. I had nothing to eat. <laughs> <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs> I know, I know, I know. It, it's, oh, it's just so exciting. And I know that it's not all about looks, but I do just want to say Janet looks absolutely unbelievably stunning in all her interviews i mean especially in a in a family that's known for plastic surgery and all of all of that and everything i when they were showing the younger clips and footage i was like i can't believe how almost identical she looks to that young girl and 
she really hasn't had much done and she just looks so like not a ton of makeup on in, in most of her interviews, just so naturally beautiful. And I loved her winter looks and the hats. Like I'm about to go buy some hats because yeah, she loves the hat. She loves the hats. She's she's <laughs> awesome. You know, I mean, listen, she's always said that she got her nose done when she was 16 and she probably got a few touch-ups over the years with her nose, but like, whatever. It's not I, drastic though. But it's not that, that's the thing. It's not that drastic. And she's probably had some type of fillers here and there, but that's not like going under the knife or anything. Do you know what I mean? Like people, everyone yeah. does. A lot, a lot of people do that. Yeah, definitely. She looks beautiful and she's 55 years old and she looks she doesn't look like she's 55, but she looks like a woman of a particular age, but with like class. Like she looks yeah. like, do you know what I mean? Natural beauty. That face is, she's still Janet. Like she still looks like herself, which is amazing. Like she looks gorgeous and she doesn't, I, listen, I love Madonna, but let's face it. It's kind of sad to see her. You know what I mean? Yes. I, yeah. I, my heart kind of breaks for Madonna in that sense because you can see how uncomfortable she is with aging. Yeah, she is going through it. And it's like, girl, why? It's like, and and it's not even what she's posting. It's it's the way she, it's like, why, why the butt job? Why every injection? It's like, and it doesn't look good to be that way. Uh, maybe to her it does. So it is what it is. But I love seeing Janet not going that route. Yes, and all of the filters that madonna uses on all her instagram photos it's crazy you know it's like we don't need that because you're madonna i mean (laughs) i think the sad thing is that people don't think of that anymore as madonna they kind of think of it as a joke i feel like people think of janet they either just don't know or they think of her as an icon i think most people at this point with madonna are getting it's getting lost in translation people are forgetting who she was because she's so not that anymore. I don't know. It's it, it, all I meant to say by all of this is I'm very happy Janet is not going that route and she has so much dignity and so much natural beauty inside and out. And mm-hmm. I loved seeing how raw she was. You know, the showing the scene where she sees the mural and she starts crying and it's just so raw and emotional. It's like, you know, that that was a crazy moment right there for her. And, you know, her feeling comfortable to share that it's crazy that was one of my favorite moments uh off the bat when she sees that mural and she's so moved by it like the scene really goes on for a while there of her just taking it in and i always think about that because in new york city there's a few beautiful one in particular of michael and i always think what is it you know what is it like if that's your family you know I mean we all just think oh you know Michael Jackson the icon but it was so fascinating really to see her reaction to that yeah I think it being in her hometown and all of that probably contributed to it the fact that she hadn't seen it before but you see how much she cared about her family in this documentary and how much her family story is a part of hers and something I thought of I was like you know it's interesting because coming off the heels of the whole Judas Lynn Spears situation. You know, think I thought of this. I was like, Janet Jackson was the younger sister of the most famous man in the world, but she handled it with class and dignity and fought for her own name and actually put in work to create her own identity. Everything that Jamie Lynn Spears was saying that she was trying to do, that's not what she was trying to do. That's what Janet did. 
she is her name in her own right. Jamie Lynn Spears, there's a reason why she's never was going to be better than Britney. She was always going to be second best. She was never going to amount to anything because she was writing off the coattails of her sister. And now you see she has no respect from anyone in this world. Everyone hates you, Jamie Lynn. Everyone. <laughs> I mean, look, you said Sorry, it. I haven't gotten that out on a podcast yet. <laughs> Look, I agree. I mean, <laughs> I don't understand at all the logic between Miss Jamie Lynn's strategy here. But if anyone in the world is more famous than Britney Spears, it would be Michael Jackson. Yeah. And here's an example of a little sister who actually became, I mean, it's hard to say just as big because Michael just isn't even like he became not, not even a person. anything ever. That's the thing. Right. But an icon completely in her own right where if she had no relation to Michael, this would still be the same legacy uh, is absolutely remarkable. It just proves on another level. And even obviously when you think of Ashley with living in the shadow and all of that stuff, I mean, Ashley's career obviously went in a completely different direction. For um, reasons that we don't need to talk about right now. Right. But (laughs) It's just another example of like why Janet is so remarkable because look how hard it is. Even when you do get a certain amount of success, if you stumble, you know, like SNL, if you stumble, forget it. They're even harder on you. Yep. It's like we gave you a chance, girl, and you failed. So goodbye. You're nothing now, you know? And I mean, think about how many times Janet probably felt like giving up or felt like she was in the shadow, but she never let that stop her and she just kept plowing away with iconic single after iconic single number one after number one i mean it's insane what these albums did like insanity insanity this this was the era really like the true era of the record industry just really being at the highest level and it's so sad that that i mean everything's so different now and these people don't, these pop stars don't put as much uh, effort into promoting a whole album over a period of years with multiple singles, you know? And it's not a piece of art anymore. It's so disposable now. There's no legacy. It's, It's so disappointing, but at least we have these eras of Janet and Madonna and Michael where it feels like this piece of work that they created was truly rode out and presented in a in a way that made it seem more monumental. I think that's why one of the reasons, one of the many reasons why pop stars don't seem as big now is because they just yeah. drop a link on their Instagram story and that's their new video, you know? Yeah, and there's no excitement, there's no build up. I think that Dua Lipa does a very good job of trying to uphold that kind of tradition of a long lasting album. Like, I feel like her future nostalgia at this point has had like seven singles. But I love that because I'm like, good, she's making it last. It's a body of work and now it's going to be remembered. Do you understand? Like, give, like, Rhythm Nation, Janet, Control, three albums in a row that have six plus singles that go into the top. You know what I mean? It's like, huh? That's so unheard of because she was just so remarkable. And you know, that's why she sold out so many concerts. That's why she was performing in places as big as Michael, because she has the talent, but she has the drive, but she has the charisma and she had the work ethic. And it's just, it's unmatched that era of the way things worked in the industry. It was just so much more exciting. 
you were so much more excited to have an album and you had a connection with the artist and there's none of that anymore. Everything has to be so in your face on TikTok. There was none of that back then, please. Like, it's crazy how times have changed, but it is great to see it being documented. Like, this was such a golden era and you realize as you're watching this. And Jimmy Jam, the icon, Love Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Th- those were names I always knew because of her, you know? Of course. I actually didn't realize this, and it's not a competition, but she did actually break the record for – she had eight singles off of Rhythm Nation. Almost all of them went to number one. Seven top five hit singles. Michael did not do that, so Janet did that. Yep. Queen. Yep. Queen. Queen. And she has the best-selling – best grossing debut tour of all time. The Rhythm Nation tour was her first ever tour and it's the highest grossing debut tour of any artist ever. Thank God he brought up those stats because people, I mean, even me as like a stan, I did not realize that, you know? Yeah, the success is incredible. She was a force to be reckoned with and I'm very happy that she's finally getting her flowers, like getting inducted in the Hollywood uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, sorry. Um, although I loved when they showed her getting the Hollywood star uh, on the Walk of Fame in the documentary. I loved seeing that footage. Um, <laughs> but, you know, she's doing this documentary. I do believe that this is going to be her Lock Diamond. I think it's going to be her last album. Aww. I think that she's going to probably do a farewell tour because she wants to focus on being a mother. And she's, you know what? She's given us enough over the years. Let her have her own life. You know, understand? Like, but I, I do... I would appreciate that if if my queens want to retire, Brittany, I would appreciate a warning and I would appreciate a farewell tour and a farewell album with singles. And if it just give me one more time and tell me it's the last time and I can say goodbye, but you have to give me that. (laughs) I agree with you. It seems like, you know, the things that she said at the end of the documentary, it does seem like she is kind of preparing for that. And you're right. I mean, what, what, where else is there to go? I mean, look at what this woman has done. You know, she deserves her time just to be with her family. And I think when you do, and we'll talk more about the things that she revealed about Michael and their relationship and their family. It's like when you see what happens to someone who gets that astronomically big, it's like who even would want that, especially with all of her success? Like what, You know, when she has something to say, she'll say it. But otherwise, I don't think she needs to plow and put her nose to the grindstone every day, you know? She doesn't. She's done enough work. And she's been working so much, even in recent years. Even because, like, she hasn't released an album since 2015. But she's been working. Like, she was on tour. And then she had a baby. And then she went back on tour six months later. And that tour lasted a year. And then she went into the studio, recorded Made For Now, went on tour again all of 2018. And then 2019 did a Las Vegas residency and then toured some more. And then 2020, she was going to release Black Diamond and tour again. Like she's been working, 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 working. So she's been doing it. So you know what? You know, her baby's five years old now. If she, if by the time she does, if she does one more tour and one more album, he'll still be six, seven years old. So she can really spend his childhood being a mother who's always just at home. And that's what she wants to do. And I'm sure when he turns 18 and she's like 72 and she'll probably pull a share and come back in a movie and make an <laughs> album or, you know what I mean? Like Cher is still around, like Cher is 73 and she just did a Mac commercial with Sweetie. Did you see that? 
Oh, yes, queen. Yeah, so she's still killing it, and she's still out there. I always use Cher as the example of how to age respectfully in the industry, where mm-hmm. whereas Madonna hasn't. I feel like people take Madonna as a joke. I don't think people take Cher as a joke. I think people genuinely respect Cher. They do, um, yes. So I feel like that's Janet. And, like, and she'll take a break. That's long. But she'll probably do something. Not a tour. But, like, we'll see her again. I, I'm happy to have her have her life. She told us so much. I'm okay with that. I was okay with that when I saw her say that. I was okay with it. I understand. I feel the same way. Back to the – toward the beginning of the documentary with her childhood and going back to the house and everything. It really is astonishing to think that she's the youngest of 10 <laughs> children. Yeah. They all were in that tiny little house and how far they came. And Nine then- children I think they are, right? Like three girls and six boys. Oh, 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 okay. Um, (laughs) There's too many of them. I can't keep track of all these jackets. I think she says in the documentary, it's like a girl, three boys, a girl, three boys, a girl. That's the order. Right, right, right. Okay. I invented a 10th Jackson. No, well, there was supposed to be a 10th Jackson. Jackson. One of the kids, I don't remember which one, was born a twin and the other one died. Oh, maybe that's where my brain pulled that from. Yeah. I was happy to see Randy is her manager. Didn't realize that. He is. Yeah, he is her manager. And I'm happy she's keeping it in the family. She's done with the industry industry. She's doing it her way. I love that. And you know what really struck me when they were talking about the Scream video and how Michael was separated from her and she wasn't allowed to see him because the label Uh. was – and I'm like, the label? It's just so crazy, especially in this day and age where anyone can just drop a single or do whatever they want. It's just bizarre to think of the powerful Michael Jackson – we uh, do know who Michael Jackson's label was and who the president of that label was, right? Is this is this epic? You you don't know? Oh, my butts tell you something. It's gonna blow your mind. Well, okay. I, I think I know what you're getting at, but I don't remember. Okay, so I think he was Epic Records, but I definitely know that he was Sony. Who was the president of Sony in the '90s? Oh, Tommy. Tommy Matola, baby. That was all Tommy Matola. Oh my god, what a fucking monster. <sighs> this was, remember, Scream was made in 1995. 95 is the era that Mariah uh, released Daydream and was recording Daydream. And it's obviously, you know, Daydream was, a, if you read her book, you guys, in the Sing Sing chapter, Mariah talks about that era and how stifling and how mentally abusive and awful Tommy Matola was, Sven Gali like. And he was like that as a person as well. It was just even worse for Mariah because she was also married to him. But to his artist, Michael Jackson, at the end of the day, don't you remember in 2001, 2002, when he went against uh, Sony and said that Tommy Mottola was a racist and was holding rallies? Mm-hmm. Tommy Mottola's a monster. So what Janet was expressing, the label was trying to create competition. That was all Tommy Mottola. She was just nice enough not to say his name. Wow. Thank you for putting that together for me because I did yeah. not... I did not even think of that. That is, ugh, that's just crazy to me because I just think of Michael as being, I mean, just an untouchable like king of pop at that time. I mean, yes, he had the accusations, but as far as the music industry goes, it it seemed like, why would he let a label tell him what to do? It's Michael Jackson. Like if if Michael was around today, I'm sure he would just be like releasing his own music, you know, like who cares what a stupid label has to say, but that was the way it was back then, you know? 
Yeah, and that's the way it was for so many years. That was the only way to get your music heard. The footage of the Jackson 5 auditioning for Motown for Barry Gordy, first of all, that was incredible to see. Um, but yes. you can literally see that it goes back to back then up until really five years ago. It was with the rise of Spotify and Apple Music and SoundCloud that artists started getting the opportunity to just put things out on there by themselves. I mean, before there was YouTube, but it wasn't really going to go many places unless you were discovered by a label. It got to the point in recent years where now you could just put out anything. But you see that in the documentary from the time that they were kids up until, you know, at this point, they're, the entire duration of their careers, record labels were what controlled everything. That, mm -hmm. And, you know, that's also a huge reason of why a lot of these stars were such big stars, because based on the amount of care and money and attention that was put into them by the record company, you know, and they were machines back then because that's everyone bought their music. So they were they had so much money, these record companies. So, you know, they were very down, dirty, down and dirty. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the family. Where is Latoya? Are do you know? Are they are they estranged? I have I thought that too. I have no idea. I literally thought I was like, wait, Latoya will never miss an interview. Like the Latoya that I know <laughs> will show up at every interview, every talk show, every reality show, every red carpet. Latoya will get out there. So I was shocked that it was Reby who spoke and not Latoya. So it got me to think, okay, Reby never speaks ever, 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 ever. So obviously, who are, like I was thinking, who are the family that spoke? Tito, Randy, and Rebe, and then of course her mother. Mm -hmm. Those are probably who she's closest with and asked, because you have to think, she had to have asked, everyone who's in the documentary, she obviously had to either ask them personally or have some, like an assistant reach out and say, Janet personally said she wants, you know what I mean? Like, right. you had to be known. So I feel like she chose the family members that spoke, which leads me to believe she probably didn't want Latoya speaking. Maybe it's because of the whole um, 1993 allegation situation and probably didn't want her to talk to include it in the documentary. Because if you notice, she did not include in the documentary that because they like was the family with Michael. She's like, yes, we all were. That's not true. Latoya Jackson was very publicly stating that Michael Jackson did rape these children, but then right. we all found out in later years that she was being brutally beaten by her husband, I can't remember the name, and getting threats that he was going to kill Michael that if she didn't go along with this. So that was what was going on there. Um, maybe she just didn't want to include that in the documentary and knew that LaToya wouldn't feel comfortable not including that. I'm just throwing ideas out here, but I found it interesting that LaToya wasn't there because again she will show up to every red carpet in the words of hillary duff in the dignity song she would show up to the opening of an envelope so yeah. <laughs> that's right yeah so that that i was curious about but i guess we'll find out in the future i'm sure latoya will say something yeah i'm sure Rebe is 71 years old she Gorgeous. looks so good yeah, she's freaking gorgeous i was like oh my goodness this family i was like no wonder janet looks so good no, centipede queen. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. Everyone go look up Reby's like one hit single, which is centipede. Nineteen I think it was released in iconic. Yes. And really impressed with Janet for how highly she speaks of her father, knowing his the demons that he certainly had and took out on the family. Did you see Matthew Knowles's post about um the documentary he talks about um 
he talks about Joe Jackson. I kind of want to read it because I feel like you're going to like it if you haven't um, heard it. Can I read, read it? it. I, no, I didn't see that. Okay, so he posted just the picture of the poster, like Janet Jackson. And he wrote, I hope that you got to see the Lifetime, which I thought was very good. And for me, answered a lot of questions. The first half was dedicated to her childhood, which unveiled the curtain of how much, although a strict disciplinarian, Joe Jackson loved his kids, wanted the best for them, and was an extremely smart, strategic, and effective manager, unlike the villain that mainstream media have painted. Janet, Randy, and Tito reportedly said, if not for Joe, we would not have had the success. Janet's Super Bowl performance was a simple wardrobe malfunction, which happens a lot when your performance includes strong dance routines. Google Britney Spears' wardrobe malfunction, and you will see that she has had a number of malfunctions actually similar, yet not blown out of proportion by mainstream media like Janet. Today's news take is focused more on the wardrobe malfunction with Justin Timberlake, and Joe Jackson's role as a loving Black father manager is completely forgotten. Thank you, Janet, for stepping up and telling the true story. Wow. Yeah, and I agree. I feel like the media does choose to focus on the salacious. But one thing I'll use my show that I work on as an example, we made sure it's like, okay, well, there's certain things you have to talk about. So we obviously had to mention the Super Bowl, but we made sure to also include talk. The first thing that we talked about in the segment was her success and everything she's achieved. And then we followed up with her talking about her family and her family life and all the things that matter to her there. And then we spoke a little bit on the relationships because that obviously was huge. And then we mentioned the Super Bowl because that's just something that I guess you have to do at this point because that's what the people care about. But you also have to make sure that you match the ratio that Janet wanted. If you take a look at the four hour series, she probably talks about the Super Bowl for 14 minutes and she talks about her family childhood growing up for over an hour of the first episode. So that's, Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer obviously the importance so you know you just have to weigh it out in my opinion you know right exactly and i i like that there wasn't too much of a focus on the super bowl because at like just like janet said it's been talked about enough you know it it's it's over like let's move on and i do want to make sure that i say because i think people just totally forget that was Janet's performance, okay? Justin yep. was a guest, and Janet worked her ass off on that performance, just as anyone performing on that stage would do. And do yourself a favor. Go back and watch the whole performance. She's great. She did such a good job. She killed. Yeah, and she killed it. That is the main reason why I don't believe that it was a purposeful publicity stunt, because... 
why would you work that hard and put yourself through that much rehearsal only to have it be completely overshadowed by a stunt like that? You know, it, it doesn't make logical sense that she would do that. Yeah, I always thought it was an accident, if you want me to be honest. I know that that's not the popular opinion, but I do think that it was an accident. I think it was meant to be titillating, and it was supposed to have the red bra, and he pulled off too much. And I think that they probably didn't rehearse it, and that was the risk of it all, right? Yeah, exactly. I think that too. I think that he was supposed to remove the leather part with the bra still covering her. Yeah. and, And that's not what happened, unfortunately. And it's just funny because I look at it now and I'm like, literally, I see more on the stage now. Do you understand? Like, (laughs) we are like making the stallion performances. I'm like, okay. They just chose to go after Janet. And it's, they really tried to erase her legacy. And they almost succeeded. Yeah. And the thing is, I watched that live and I'll never forget it because it was the same day that my cousin was born. Oh. And um, we were watching it in the hospital. <laughs> wow, no. And and honestly, we didn't even, it happened so fast. I mean, I was watching, I was like, girl, I know, like, I'm, you know, my aunt is like literally holding a baby. And I'm like, I know, I know, but Janet is on, okay? <laughs> um, and we're all like loving it and dancing. And when it happened, I was like, wait, did they just show her, like, did she show her boob? And I, I remember my mom being like, I don't know, did she? And it wasn't even, like, it was so fast. Yeah, I agree. I thought it, I remember, I remember watching it live too. We were at a family's house, uh, uncle's house or whatever, watching the Super Bowl. I was jamming in at the end. I was like, wow, that was amazing. And everyone was like, did she, was that her boob? I was like, <laughs> I don't know. It looked like plastic. Because <laughs> it wasn't just a bare boob, you know? Yeah, it was a nipple ring, but it's yeah. Like, so it was like, what is that? Is was that you know? I mean, it just wasn't. But she's always got a nipple ring, like little. But I guess the people don't know that. But she had since the velvet rope, she's had everything pierced. Yeah, and she was very like open about that. I remember her looking like very tough in that era, and she had, she had a different iconic look every era. So we all knew that already, okay? Yeah, people just. I guess it was an interesting time in culture, and that people just wanted to tear women down and. You know, people like the scandalous story and there was no social media back then. So really it was the magazines and the TV shows that controlled what everyone believed. So people chose to paint it in the way that it blamed everything on Janet. And she actually does say in the documentary that she spoke to Justin a couple of days after. And he was like, should I put out a statement? And she says in the documentary that she told him, if I were you, I would say nothing. They're already aiming everything at me. I would just say nothing. And then he actually said nothing for two years. So it's just like, even if Janet had told me to say nothing, I would have still said something because I'm just because Janet Jackson has a heart of gold doesn't mean that I have to take advantage of it. I know what an angel to say, Oh, it's already on me. Let's just keep it on me. And I'm yeah, well, she has a heart of gold. Obviously, Justin is a terrible. Well, I'm trying to and I'm trying to relax because Janet obviously <laughs> doesn't want us to talk about this anymore. She literally said in the documentary in the clip from 2022, Justin and I are very good friends and we've moved on so everyone else could. And literally, did you see the meme? Janet Jackson says we can forgive Justin Timberlake. Twitter says nah. And <laughs> I agree with Twitter. I, and listen, 
It's not even like he just did something to Janet. He literally did something to Brittany and Janet, my two favorite women in the world. I don't even care if they don't care anymore. I will always care. So it is what it is. Um, yeah, there's a thing called decency in the world. Well, he's kind of like Nick Lachey. He doesn't have any. Yeah. He, the only thing, he's very much like Nick. It's just that Justin is more talented, so like he well, gets away with more. Yeah, well, Justin's actually talented. I don't even know what Nick does anymore. Doesn't, <laughs> doesn't he have an album of lullabies for Fisher Price? Look, he sings songs to his kids, and, you know, that's his lane. Like, stay in it and leave me alone. <laughs> but all I have to say is the Super Bowl, I guess that we just did our Super Bowl talk now. We won't have to do it later because yeah. I'm happy that she didn't focus too much on it. If you guys want to know everything about the Super Bowl, watch the New York Times documentary on it, even though I didn't even think that was that well done. But I'm very happy that she chose to speak about her family for so long and you see the importance of it all. When she gets to talking about the beginning of her music uh, career, coinciding with the meeting of her first husband, James DeBarge, I feel like it's very interesting to see that shift of Janet the little girl turning into Janet the woman at such a young age. But because of that marriage, I feel like when she finally got out of it she was ready to have her own life and get the world take the world by storm because she talks about how her getting married was kind of like an escape and she only did it because she thought that was the only way she was going to escape her father and have her own life very grateful that she got that annulled and decided to take control and <laughs> start the amazing pop career that she's had i know that everyone shades the first two albums but i still love it like you don't stand another chance i love that track you don't stand <laughs> another chance i love seeing the interviews from that time especially the interview with um with the short hair and she's in the studio and she says i think it's time that i start being independent and yes. you that she was ready to take control Ugh. her little hoop earrings Oh, she loves hoop earrings. If you saw her clip for Allure magazine where she uh, breaks down her old videos, which if you guys haven't seen it, you have to watch it. It's so great. Yes. She mentions that her mother loved her in hoop earrings. And she said, I wore them a lot because my mother liked me in them. <laughs> so cute. Oh, yeah. I thought that was really interesting with the first husband and everything because historically that has is something that women have always done to get away from controlling families and fathers and stuff right and it's just so interesting that it's happening to janet jackson this this documentary humanized her a lot you know what i mean like you really see she's just a person that was going through things that people go through like when she says the story when they're fighting on the floor for the pills and for her to flush them out you know i've obviously heard her story about james um for since i've been a fan and so I knew he was a drug addict. That's what Black Hat is about. The song Black Hat is about uh, her relationship with James. So I knew a little bit about that. I thought it was very interesting that she decided to finally speak about the famous rumor that she had a baby in the 80s. That's been going around for years that if you literally see the Inside Edition um, segment, you know the singer Christina DeBarge who sings Goodbye? Well, and she opened for Britney Spears in the circus tour. She's James DeBarge's daughter, born in 1990. And they interviewed her saying that she thought that she had a sister and that Janet was the mom. And I'm like, are you fucking crazy? <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, okay, Christina, I get it that you want to have a career, but this is not the way to do it. I didn't even know that. Yeah, that's she was she's James DeBarge's daughter, obviously born and right after Janet 
you know, whatever. Wow. But, but yeah, I'm happy that she set the record straight. Like, no, I never had a child. I would never keep a child from their parent. The rumors were just getting out of control back then because, like I said, there was no social media to control it. People believed anything. If you remember, God, I wish I had it in front of me right now, but there's a note that Britney wrote in 2007 that leaked. Yes, yes. <laughs> I wonder if I, it was something like along the lines of, I wonder why Janet had a baby and didn't give it away or like had like Janet and had a baby. Give it. So even Britney believed it. And I'm like, oh, I wish I had that note. I love that you knew. I know. I freaking love Britney. Oh my God. I love Britney Spears. <laughs> I love well, that they included her in the doc. Did you see at the end? Yes. Yes. I mean, it goes without saying. But I mean, I guess like, it doesn't really go without, go without saying because I feel like still a lot of people don't know that there would be no Britney without Janet. I like that Q-Tip said there were like the TLCs, the Aaliyahs, the Beyonce's, the Britney's. They are here because of Janet. I like that he mentioned Britney because we need to stay as far away as possible from this idea that Britney is the Madonna 2.0 and Madonna really needs to stop. She needs to stop trying to milk this situation with Britney. You know what I mean? Like she said in her live, I want to do a stadium tour with Britney if she's up for it and recreate the kiss. Like stop trying to make yourself relevant again from the things you've done in the past. At the end of the day, we all know that Britney's main inspiration visually, musically, choreographically is Janet Jackson. It's obvious. It's in the work. We hear it. We see it. So, and she's been very vocal about it. In her first tour, she may have covered Material Girl on the Big One More Time tour, but she also covered Black Cat. Hell yeah. Iconic. So it's like, there would be no Britney without Janet. That's a huge reason why. I mean, I love Madonna. I, I don't mean to hate on Madonna. I obviously love Madonna. I just don't like what she's become and I don't appreciate it. I don't like, like Janet still supports Britney. She follows her. She'll like some pictures. Sometimes she'll comment a heart here and there. She has love for her. She doesn't go around posting every five minutes trying to milk Britney's name. I feel like it's just a genuine respect. But I love that they included that in the doc and it showed. I love that Mariah and Paula Abdul, those are my queens, but they were in the doc. I loved Paula's stories about Janet in the control era, how emotional she got. I mean, that's just good TV. Oh, yes. Another uh, older woman who looks absolutely beautiful, Paula Abdul. She looks gorgeous. She looks absolutely gorgeous. I got to say, growing up, Paula Abdul, I thought that she was a judge on American Idol. I did not know she was a singer, right? Um, I got to learn her music as I got a little bit older. I love her work. I love the Forever Your Girl album. I love the Spellbound album. I'm even getting into the My Love Is Real album. She honestly, for a short period of time, was on top. You know, she kind of reminds me her career of Jessica's music career. It was a short period of time, but it was very important in pop music. Right. Actually, Amanda, who is Jessica Simpson tribute on Instagram and has been on this podcast multiple times. Love that. Yes. When we were talking about Janet on our original episode, Amanda actually messaged me and she goes, let's not forget Janet wouldn't be Janet without Paula Abdul. And I was like, that's true. That's absolutely true. She would not. What a point, because I mean, I knew that Paula had been Janet's choreographer, but this was revealing in a new way, because like you're saying, how emotional Paula got, you don't get that way just over anybody. That was a true connection. And the way that she talked about Janet's confidence building as she worked on her dance moves and established this new persona of control and everything, the power behind that statement was 
just everything to me. And then also how much it reminded me of Brittany mm -hmm. in her, what is it? I'm, I'm blanking on the title for the record. <laughs> it, it, it made me think of for the record when Brittany's dancing in the studio and she says, you know, for me, art is therapy and dancing is therapy because I think that Brittany uses the same technique of dance and like working on choreography in the studio to build her confidence. And I was wondering, I mean, you know, I always bring it back to our girl. I just am thinking like, maybe that's how we get Brittany back is through choreography and dancing and her in the studio, you know? Of course. Um, if you remember in For the Record, when she's in the dance studio and she's rehearsing, there's a scene where she's like, I like the close together like that. And then she says, in Janet's show, everyone was yes. close together like that. So you see, she's, and she, that was around the time of the Rock with you tour. So you see the influence there. And art is therapy for Britney. And I'm sure it is for all true artists, you understand. And mm -hmm. Janet loves her work. She kept saying, I truly, truly love my work. She knows that's where she belongs. I yeah. love that. I'm going to keep saying it. I love that she's getting her flowers finally and getting a, her music and her art are getting appreciated. That's mm -hmm. all I ever wanted for Janet. I just felt that for so long, people were just not caring to learn about her legacy because she was so, they tried to erase her. And I love that that did not work. And, you know, people are educating themselves on the legend. Yes, and I loved, I can't remember who said it, but they said that she never played the victim card. Oh, wasn't it her stylist with the long hair? Yeah, Wayne Scott Lucas. Mm -hmm. He loved him. He, you know, said she never played the victim card no matter what happened. She always just just kept. Oh, no, that it. was Gil. That was Gil who said that. He was, he's the bald guy. Oh, right, right. Okay. He said that, yes, I, I remember. Yeah. And it's true. And she's she's so resilient. I love, I love Janet. I just, ugh. I All know. this documentary did was show how much I love her even more. Yes. Getting back to the first marriage, I think that, not to be dismissive, but it was only a year marriage. It, she was so young. I think I just didn't even think of this marriage as very relevant to her life. Honestly, I figured it was one of those like celebrity marriages that you know lasts for a minute and then you move on. But she seemed so emotional still talking about him to this day like she said it's still hard to talk about and that was so moving to me because she's such a pillar of strength and the way that women in general but in the industry too are just supposed to forge ahead and can't be emotional because then we're crazy or something like that the fact that she is not afraid to show that side of herself and show that, yeah, I'm a human being, like this was a divorce, this was really serious. That to me is power, not just when she's on stage and she's killing it, but those moments too, you know? Yeah, and that, that was her first real love, right? And so she loved him, she cared about him, she wanted to try to help him. She has this thing, she says that it seems that I, I attract people who do drugs. Maybe it's the innate nature in her that's so soft and gentle that feels like she can help them. Yeah. But we all know that that never works and people have to help themselves at the end of the day. It definitely obviously took its toll on her because she still gets emotional talking about it today. But I mean, I'm, I'm happy that she feels comfortable to share that with everybody and it shows that she, she's relatable and that she's literally just like us, that we go through shit like that. People, we go through a lot of crazy shit and Janet Jackson's not exempt to that. I find the portion of the documentary where they're speaking about her second marriage, Renee, I was 
completely enamored with that entire conversation because mm. their marriage was a secret. Nobody knew she was married. And to this day, we there's never been talk. There's never been details about what happened. So to learn that a, he was addicted to drugs too, painkillers, that's like, whoa, insane. To hear about the immense amount of control that he had over her career. I understand that he was a creative partner, but I feel like there was an unhealthy amount of control. I just recently watched a three-hour video podcast on YouTube of, I can't remember his name right now. I think, oh, I can't remember. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to message it to you and you can um, let your uh, listeners know. He was a backup singer on the Janet tour and he did a three-hour podcast talking about his experience. The Janet tour was two years and he talked about Renee and he talked about how Renee was an asshole and how Renee would do a lot of sneaky little things and be really mm. like, for example, Janet would always get so excited when he would sing uh, the backup singer and say, can you sing this? Can you sing this? And then Renee would pull him to the side and be like, can you not sing when she asks you? And then he was like, why? He's like, because I told you so. And then he was just like, if she asked me to sing, I'm going to sing. And he would, they, they would continuously get in arguments. And he talks about a time when he told them off. And he wasn't asked back for the next tour after that because they lied. Renee lied to Janet's people and Janet saying that he accepted another gig. Whoa, that blows my mind and makes me think of, again, Brittany. That, that dancer that said she had set up, Brittany had asked everyone to hang out. And her brother, I think it was, yeah. called and canceled. And Brittany thought everyone yeah. had just blown her off. And I mean, God, you think of these huge, powerful pop stars that just have these people around them that get off on this, I guess, to to have these like almost, um, you know, fuck Justin, but I love NSYNC. And right. the <laughs> no whole no strings attached thing is, you know, that was very meaningful of them cutting the strings and saying like, no, we, you know, we're, we know what we're doing. We're on our own. You can't control us. Like it's, it's mind blowing and, and ties back into the stuff that she was talking about with Michael as well, where, you know, she said that things did start to change and that the rumors were true that, that fame did affect Michael and, Obviously, we knew that, but I think hearing it from her mouth was more poignant and that it was around the Thriller album that things yeah. really changed. And I love the details that she included where she said, you know, Michael would they would get in the car and Michael would always play her the albums from beginning to end before yeah. releasing them. And just yeah. that bond between them. So sweet. It sounds real. It's like they had a real bond. And she said that he came into her room and sat down and didn't say anything and then just left and neither of them spoke. And I just thought, wow, the gravity of that statement, Yeah. you know, that they just didn't say anything because it's like they both knew. And then they show the clip of Rebe saying, oh, I haven't seen him in a year. And it's like yeah. a year. But then you think like of what was happening back then and how he really is the biggest pop star of all time. And there's such a bigger, obviously, like I don't want to get too into it because there's such a bigger, longer 10-hour conversation about <laughs> Michael Jackson. Yeah. Another thing about this part of the documentary that really hit me is that they asked her what's the disadvantage of fame, and she said the disadvantage is choosing a friend because you don't know why are they friends with me. Is it because of my brother? Is it because of my name? Or do they really like me? Yeah. And – you have to think like I've thought about this too with people like Mary Kate and Ashley um, who just 
don't even know what it's like to not be famous. I'm guessing Janet has some very vague memories of not being famous, but she was so little when the Jackson 5 became big that even though her name wasn't particularly the name everybody was speaking about, she always grew up with people around her that were around her because they wanted to get close to her brothers. So I just wonder still, like, how how you make a friend and, and what effect that's had on this poor woman. Well, she even said that she didn't have very many friends growing up, and that's the reason why, right? Because she didn't know who was real and who was not. And so that's pretty much all she ever knew. And so it's I feel like she, the, the industry, the music industry, that's all that this woman ever knew. That's all she ever knew. And I feel like that's why her story is so important because I feel like she just has insight that a lot of other artists wouldn't have. You know what I mean? Like they just wouldn't have that. And I feel like that's also what validates a lot of the things that she says because she's saying things that are experiences that people don't usually have. Mm -hmm. And I feel like even with her personal life, it's just so extreme. Like the way that she would always get married so quietly and so at such young age, it's like, oh my goodness, like who does that? I will be doing that now, by the way. I'm stealing that from you, Janet. When I get married, nobody's going to know about it. <laughs> Love that. But I feel like it just, it just shows that that's just how she's always been. It's just things just happen in a very big way. I think it's so funny how celebrities always think that they have to, like, announce things and make statements. And they're like, well, we have to make a statement. I'm like, you literally don't. Janet was married and nobody knew about it. Yeah, you don't. You're choosing to do all that shit, honey. Honestly, the way Janet was doing it is the way to go. I agree, because it's like she really had a line between her public life and her private life. And I feel like that's what allowed her to have a private life. But at the same time, obviously, it didn't do enough good because she still went through it with Renee, especially in the end. Like, she doesn't really talk about it in the doc, but he really went after her money for a while. Yeah. Son of a gun. I bet you think the song is about you. What do you think that song's about? Oh my god, I love Son of a Gun. I love Son of a Gun. I love the video. I love the ha-ha. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I know. All the little... I love Janet t just talking. And I love when Janet talks, like at the beginning of Control, you know? Oh, this is a story about Control. Yes. My control. <laughs> control of what I say. Control of what I do. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny, like... People can say what they want about pop stars, pop music, or, you know, I've over the years been, you know, had some people make comments about, why are you so obsessed? I had an ex once. Is there anything more to you than Britney? Oh, my God. Please don't even. Yeah. How dare you ask that? <laughs> I was insulted. I was like, okay, fuck you. It, yeah. And you know what? They really do help me get through my everyday life and my own struggles that I go through in life. Like watching Janet gives me strength and I can't even, it's not like I can say, oh, well, I understand because I can't say, oh, I, you know, I'm black like her. I can't say, oh, I have a famous family like her. I can't say, oh, I'm famous like her. I don't yeah. have as many similarities, but it when it comes down to just like human beings, like seeing a woman 
take control. I mean, I know we keep using that word, but it's it was the perfect title, you know, because that's what she was doing. And to just own a stage like that and really just be so powerful, it makes me feel stronger with just the things that I do in day to day or when I'm challenged by something. I think of Britney. I think of Janet. I put on one of their songs. I do too. It give, I know that's why I'm saying this to you because I know that you completely get it. <laughs> Just the way my body works, that's how they give me my strength. I yeah. find the strength because of them. I find it in their art. I find it in their work. It's a beautiful thing to me. It's more than just an artist. It's more than just a musician. It's my life. And it so is. I feel honored that Janet opened her life like this. Thank you, Janet. Thank you, Janet. I mean, I think at this point we're getting to the Rhythm Nation Janet era. Um, oh. I loved seeing the footage on set of Poetic Justice. I thought that that was so incredible. Honestly, shout out to Renee. You could say a lot of things about him, but thank you for that footage, bro. Because <laughs> that was out of this world. To be seeing Janet recording Rhythm Nation, to see her on set of Poetic Justice, to see her on vacation in Hawaii with her friends, to see her at her mother's house, to see her at the Coca-Cola meeting, like all of these things. It's like, wow, it's incredible that she's sharing this. Like, I feel so lucky to be seeing this. That's how I kept saying, I was like, I'm so lucky, I'm so lucky, I'm so lucky. I can't believe I'm seeing this. In terms of that era, for me, the standouts of the doc were when she talks about Michael and the allegations and she talks about losing the Coca-Cola deal and how she could have been the Coca-Cola queen. I feel like I had no idea about that. I didn't know that. I had no idea. That's something that I learned from this documentary and Coca-Cola never has celebrity spokespeople. Like when's the last time there was a celebrity promoting Coca-Cola? It's always Pepsi. That's her thing. She could have been like known as like a Coca-Cola girl. And it does suck that she lost that moment. That could have been a multi-million dollar deal. I'm sure. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved obviously the footage of them, you know, uh, writing Scream. We talked about it earlier. The artistry and the way that they bounce off each other, the way that Michael is in the studio. I love that she showed how she did that as a way to help him, to show him that I'm here for you and we're not going to let them ruin your name. And I love that she defended him in this documentary. She didn't slander him at all. She talked about what happened because you can't escape the fact that it happened. There were allegations and it was a huge thing, but she talked about it, but she said, I believe my brother. I believed him then. I believe him now. I was there with him. I was stood by him. And she says how scream was something that she did to show to him. Like, yeah, like I'm with you. You have to remember that at that time, Janet's powers were probably stronger than Michael's. That was the height of the Janet era. She was selling more records than Michael was with his dangerous album, which came out around the same time. So she was like, was she really was she really selling more than dangerous? She was. Uh, it, there's wow. an article like the Janet album was selling faster than the Dangerous album had been. If you look at the ratio of the weeks, it didn't come out at the same time. Dangerous came out at the end of '91, obviously, and Janet was '93. But there's articles that I read in a Rolling Stone article from 1993 that it was at like the six month mark, and they said Janet's like the album Janet has already surpassed what Dangerous had achieved at the same point. Wow. I never knew that. That's really, that's major. And I, you know, I really didn't, I think just because at the time, I mean, I was such a baby that I really, like, I knew, I mean, like, I loved them, but I didn't know all the details. And I just remember just thinking, like, I was just like, oh, I don't care about all the negativity and I just love Michael and I just love Janet. And I didn't really put together that that was a time where he needed her. 
yep. which had not happened before that. And that was really powerful because Scream is is one of my all-time favorite songs, period. Oh, Scream. I've been listening to it every single day. I don't know why. It's just that song is just so fucking good. It's so good. At the time, it wasn't appreciated, though. If you look back at the charts and stuff like that, I think it only went to, like, number five. It's one of my all-time favorite songs, and it's even though I know it's it's about something so beyond just a daily struggle that you might have, I find it so relatable, and it's something that I have screamed so many times, and that I relate to so much. I mean, I and I love Michael's part, but Janet's part I feel like is is the most touching to me oh, in the song. Sure. I love how in depth she went about the making of the song. Like the way she talked about the making of this song, I would have wanted for like every single song. <laughs> yes, that's what I meant. That's what I was when I was saying at the beginning. That's what I was getting at. Like I wanted more of a breakdown. Like almost in you know how Mariah's book, she would like put lyrics in there and then she would explain Mariah's book is like a gift. It, uh, honestly, this documentary is a gift from the gods, but that's what Mariah's book was as well. But you, we all, you know, Mariah is going to make a book into a film. I hope she does a short series. Oh my god! I hope not. I don't want a documentary. I want a series. Like yes, you got Mariah Carey on fucking Netflix season one, season two. Like there's enough in that book for like a five season series. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my God, wait, before I forget, I have to ask what you thought about Mariah saying about the Janet a Rolling Stone cover when she was like, I wasn't allowed to do that. I was just jealous. Yeah. <laughs> Jean, like, just, ugh. I, I love her so much. And I love her so much. <laughs> it's so funny, too, like, the connection with Tommy and everything. And, like, she had, you know, she had her control too you know she had that moment where she stepped out and she was like bitch like i'm gonna have the best musical comeback ever and i you know there's so much similarity between the two of them really i would love i would love to be a fly on the wall when they're hanging out that they never do edit there's rumors that they have but you know uh, you know when you see janet how she was dating Jermaine dupree for so many years that was the era that jermaine was making emancipation of me and me with mariah i don't understand how there was no janet collaboration there Oh my god, what a missed opportunity. Such a missed opportunity. Um, but back to the Janet era and everything. I think that I her we need to talk about <laughs> we need to talk about her beauty in that era for a second. Oh god. Please. Her, her beauty peak of nineteen ninety three, ninety four, ninety five. It's like you she was twenty seven, twenty eight, twenty nine in that time and you look and you're like, she's like not trying. And she <laughs> the most beautiful woman i have ever seen it's like holy shit her beauty her face like oh my god i i, I still like flabbergasted my mouth is open when i see interviews on time i'm like how does someone so gorgeous exist i don't know i like i literally don't know i don't have anything to say about it it's too much it's <laughs> Absolutely beautiful. So beautiful. And I'm very, I'm so happy that we, I keep saying it, the footage of them in Hawaii, the footage of them uh, in the studio making Rhythm Nation, the footage of them on the Poetic Justice set, the footage of them at her mother's house. It's just, I'm so happy we got to see that. I really am so happy. I know. The whole, like, on the beach, the love will never do without you. That look. Well, that said it wouldn't last. Because <laughs> I've learned in the past that love will never do without you. Woo! Yes. Track. Track. 
I want to go back to Rhythm Nation for a second because we had that really great scene and, and I'm with you like uh, Renee. I mean, I'm going to put on my dating profile, must be willing to follow me around with a camera as Literally. I go through my oh, iconic moments. Yeah, amazing. Um, in the studio, I was really pissed at Jimmy Jam and, and Terry Lewis for laughing when Janet's yeah. trying to record You Need Me, which is a serious song about how she, she's talking to Joe and she's saying, like, you need me more than I need you, so you better behave. And I completely understood her frustration, and I was so glad that they weren't afraid to show her doing that because, again, in this industry and in this world, women are often, you know, seen as difficult or yeah. hard to work with, a diva, et cetera. But, like, I think that was really important because it showed young Janet standing up for herself and saying, I don't need to take this. Like, I'm I'm Janet, please. Like, <laughs> Well, I think the relationship with Janet, Jimmy Jam, and Terry Lewis wasn't some superficial Hollywood relationship where they just put a producer and an artist together and they just make a song. That They were, they were actually family. So I feel like they argue like family. You know what I mean? And, Good point. And I feel like in that moment, I feel like I feel like they probably were like, "What is going on here? She's not giving us what she can do." And I'm sure their way of articulating it probably wasn't the best. But you know what? I'm sure when when you're family like that, you feel comfortable enough to let your true emotions show at all times. And I've actually heard Jimmy Jam say before in interviews that the, the making of Rhythm Nation was rough and that it almost didn't happen because apparently they had started working on it, which I'm assuming are these first few songs. If you um, look back in the clip, Janet says to Renee, like, we have four or five songs, but I'm going to, and he's like, what are you going to tell A&M? She's like, I'm just going to tell them the truth. It's not working. And he, Jimmy Jam has talked about that before. And he said that it wasn't working and they took a break and then, hadn't seen each other in a very long time, like almost a year. And then saying that when they got back together, she just gave him the biggest hug in the entire world. And then they, they made her the mation. Oh, yeah. I love that. I love that they mentioned that this album was a risk for her. Cause I didn't really think so much that I feel like if I really sat and thought about it, I would have realized, but I didn't really realize it until they brought it to light with saying that it really was a risk for her to make a socially conscious album. And it's so funny because I remember, you know, Rhythm Nation was before I was born, but I remember that album still being so relevant as I grew up. And I remember singing that song all the time. And I had no idea what I was singing about at all. Like I, <laughs> I was like a little girl. I would put on like my black t-shirt and like a black hat and I would literally sing every word of that song. And it wasn't until I got older that I was like, damn, this is some like Black Lives Matter. You know, this is, Important really really Im very important and it made me also think about i feel like she could have she could have pulled the race card more in this documentary and i don't even mean it in that way because like it would have been completely valid because there are so many reasons why that are connected to race that janet has not had as easy of a time as madonna or other people because i would i would say like madonna is is the most comparable like of her era you know yeah i, agree. I feel like um musically and just performance wise and just level of importance uh, madonna is definitely the one who i think would go like in a versus battle i feel like it would have to be J madonna versus janet yeah i i always kind of thought of them as not literally sisters but like pop sisters in a way you know like especially right. with the different eras and the different like looks every era and just like the power and the, the way that they command the stage 
And that's why, really, like, that's why everyone says Britney was the next Madonna. It's racism is all it is. Like, because if you just watch the way Britney moves, like, literally just her, the way her body moves, it is Britney doing an impression of Janet. Of course, please. The boys video, the stronger video. Tell me that that's Slave. Not, yeah, like, that's Miss You Much Rhythm Nation moves right there. It's like... <laughs> it's just so obvious to me that that's where that influence comes from. Yeah. And I, I thought it was really cool, honestly, that they, that they focused just more on her artistry and how she let the music speak for itself in that era and all her eras really. And I mean, the whole, the whole Super Bowl thing, I mean, she completely could have said something about, well, I'm a black woman. And so naturally I'm villainized and she didn't. And I thought that was so mature and I don't even know what the word is. And I don't want to offend anyone. Cause like, I completely think that if she had said that it would be so valid. Like, I'm not saying that it was like great that she didn't, but it, it did yeah. make me respect her more. Cause it was almost like she doesn't even have to say that because it's so obvious. So she's just going to speak her truth. She doesn't need to because Janet's just not that person at the end of the day. She knows what she's done. She knows what she's capable of. She knows what she's accomplished. And she was never going to just give in to people that way. Do you know what I mean? Like she was never going right. to give more attention to the situation. Uh, if you if you remember, she never wanted to talk about all these things. Everyone would just keep bringing it up. She would do everything in her power not to. She doesn't want to bring more attention to that. She wants to focus on the, the focus to be on her work. And it's always been that way, as we can see from this documentary. Yes. I was so touched when she said that the night before the tour, she had a dream or a nightmare that no one showed up and there were three people clapping in the audience and then they show the The lines. Oh my God, the thousands of fans. And I love the fan reactions. I love the the one girl that was like, you're the best, Janet. Don't forget it. You're the best. I was like, The girl behind her gives her like a craziest look, if you know. (laughs) I was like, she's speaking the truth, okay? Yeah, well, she's true. She is the best. It kind of reminded me of Mariah's story in her book about Schenectady, if you remember. Yep. It reminded me of that because she probably didn't realize that she had that many fans for her. She's obviously seen that many people perform. I mean, go to a performance, obviously. Her brother is Michael Jackson. But she probably didn't think that would ever be close to her, that people would actually care to go see her. And, well, she was wrong. We care. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Yes. Didn't know that she was the first woman nominated for Producer of the Year at the Grammys. Yes, the 1990 Grammys. She did win a Grammy that year for Best Music Video Long Form for the Rhythm Nation um, short film. Um, has not been... Uh, properly appreciated by the Grammys. I don't think Janet has. Um, no. She's won five Grammys, sure, but the Grammys that she's won are Best Music Video, Long Form, Rhythm Nation, Best R&B Song, That's The Way Love Goes, Best Music Video, Short Form, Scream, with Michael Jackson, Best Music Video, Short Form, Got Till It's Gone, and Best Dance Recording, All For You. She has only been nominated for Album of the Year once, and it was for Control in 1987, and she didn't win. Rhythm Nation, Janet, Velvet Rope, not nominated for Album of the Year. Together Again, Escapade, That's the Way Love Goes, not nominated for Record of the Year. It's, you know what I mean? It's like, okay. It's like, those were the biggest records of of that time. Some of the biggest records. In the words of Mariah in the documentary, those records, they're timeless. They're masterpieces. And she was not proper Mariah another one who has never been properly acknowledged by the Grammys I feel like in that time the Grammys were notorious for giving awards to people who weren't quote-unquote popular 
I feel like they tried to do that. I feel like now it's completely changed. The Grammys are actual trash. I just don't even, I give almost no thought to them, really. Yeah, I mean, at this point, they're kind of losing, they have lost at this point a lot of their credibility. And people are seeing, like, how the hell does Janet, like, I love Alicia Keys, but how does she have 15 Grammys and Mariah Carey and Janet Jackson and Celine Dion each have five? It's weird how they they'll just like choose somebody that they want to go all in on and it seems like they don't they could literally put anything out and then they get a Grammy and then there's other artists. Polish. Isn't it weird? Yeah. I'm sure it's money like it's they're probably someone's paying somebody off or something like not the artist but you know somebody like Tommy or something I guess. For sure. I mean, I don't know. All I know is Janet didn't get as much appreciation as she should have although being nominated for producer of the year is a huge deal. Um, it is. So, I mean, congratulations to her for, for getting that. Um, the Rhythm Nation era really was unmatched just numbers-wise and impact-wise and success-wise. It was just incredibly successful. And the fact that she was able to carry that into the Janet era and have literally the same amount of success, if not more, is incredible. It's so impressive. It really is. And I also didn't know that she was nominated for an Oscar. Yeah. Oh my God. You didn't know for, again, best original song. She performed at the ceremony. Yeah, I missed that. I don't know. Even if you only have like 30 seconds to describe Janet, you could just list off all of these majorly unbelievably huge accomplishments yeah. and you you still have someone who's so singular in terms of success and just I mean it's mind-blowing Mind but I loved Rebe being scandalized by the well, <laughs> she's a saved woman she yeah. is a saved woman she's a woman of God a woman of Christ she did not like that Rolling Stone cover <laughs> and I'm sure her mother didn't like it either but I'll tell you who did like it everyone fucking else because that is rock and roll that is one of the most iconic pictures in popular music history I think yeah. at least I really do yeah. believe that that is one of the most iconic photographs that is what Rolling Stone is all about Yes, that I, that is definitely the most iconic cover of Rolling Stone. Yeah, it's just priceless. I don't know. It's fucking priceless. I can't believe we got to see all those outtakes. Oh my goodness. Like, I had never seen any of those outtakes. I had only ever seen that one photo for all these years. And now all of a sudden we're seeing them all. We're seeing Renee's face. Honestly, Renee was kind of hot. He had that Latina side <laughs> to him. He was kind of hot. I would. I would. <laughs> <laughs> you know what he was a great partner to her for many years he was even though you know we don't like what he did at the end there um throughout their relationship i agree with you that it was very fascinating to see that they had such a intertwined working relationship and i just wonder what that is like to be with your partner all day every day throughout your career and then you go home to that same person i mean it's almost like when someone said um i think he said renee said i'm an extension of janet yeah. that that sounded like a little um possessive but also i think he was right like i think that right. yeah it was good that he that she had somebody there with her who could kind of be her eyes and ears without her having to do everything so maybe she you know would have gotten burned out if she had to do that for sure i think that they had a magic, like they say, they had a magic relationship, but the amount of power that he had off of her back, you just did not cross Renee. And I feel like 
he probably got drunk with that power a little bit. I do think that he always respected her. But, you know, I think it was Tina Landon. I can't remember who it is that said this, but she had told him no for something. Mm. I was, like, not used to hearing that. And, you know, she, at the end of the day, is still the boss. She's still Janet. And I feel like that obviously took its toll over the amount of years they were together. You know, it seems that they were together since the control era. So that that's probably around 12, 13 years that they were together. That's such a long time. That is a very long time to be with somebody. So... And to have created so much work, like he had co-writes on so many of the songs, so many of the albums, co-choreography, direct director, like he was hands-on involved in all of those big projects. So I, I can't imagine how that must have felt going into All For You, not having that. But then you see when they talk about the All For You era, Wayne Scott Lucas, he said like those first few jobs after Renee were magical. And he's obviously referring to the Nutty Professor, doesn't really matter, All For You and All For You tour, like that, 90, like 99, 2000, 2001, 2002. Mm-hmm. And she seemed so happy in that She time. did. She, she was radiant. Radiant and so happy, still so successful. So the relationship of Renee, I I like the amount of time, I'm rambling here, but it, it was very important to her. So I like the amount of time that they used in the documentary because at the end of the day, that it, it held that much weight. It just, it just did. Um, yeah. I felt like it was an accurate depiction. I felt she was being very raw, very bare. It couldn't have been easy, even for legally. Like I'm sure just getting that footage, like I'm sure there had to be situations involved for her to be able to show that footage because at the end of the day he it's his footage right that's what i was thinking like okay i I understand why he isn't being interviewed because of you know how he acted toward her toward the end but then what how did she get the footage did did she get that in the divorce a lot of the fans on twitter are wondering that it's it's either that she got the footage in the divorce or had to have had to have had a recent conversation recent enough to either get her hands on it or if she had it to get his permission to use it because it's very much the centerpiece of this documentary. Very, very much and very interesting, uh, especially to see toward the end of the Hawaii trip when everyone's so fed up with him and he's saying, oh, you know, Janet, kiss your mom again, do that again. And she's like, no, it's like, it's like reality TV nowadays where they stage everything. She's exactly, she's like, it's too staged, stop this shit. And then, then if you notice, the footage stops around the Velvet Rope tour, Velvet Rope era, so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she was over it. Yeah. One, another thing I didn't know is that she did four sold out nights at the Garden around the time of. Yeah, she did. She had many sold out nights. Even in the Velvet Rope tour, she did a few sold out nights. Um, I think all for you tour as well. Those tours were incredibly successful. The Rhythm Nation, the Janet, the Velvet Rope, the all for you. Those four tours, the amount of shows, the amount of sold out stadiums, like we're talking, we're talking the big, big, big time. She mentions how Justin Timberlake opened for her during the Velvet Rope tour with Sync, and that mm-hmm. is how the Jackson family became acquainted with Justin Timberlake and was because Sync opened for the Velvet Rope tour. Yes, and I was very taken by the moment where she is talking about Michael and the allegations and they show a clip of her asking everybody to say a silent prayer for her brother. Yeah. And you can see the pain in her face, yeah. both in that concert clip and in the current interview. I mean, 
everything she says is so soulful and so pointed and so meaningful. She says so much with just a look or a few words. She doesn't have to, you know, like me and you, honey, rambling on for three hours. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. She's so soft-spoken and so, like, she's very careful. Exactly. Careful with her words. Intentional. Everything that she says has a purpose. Yes. And I also thought it was very revealing how Janet said that Michael settled in the case, which we all knew he ended up paying the accusers just to make it go away so that he didn't have to continue fighting in court. And Janet said that, unfortunately, she's like, that makes you look guilty. And she's right. I mean, a lot of people still say that, you know, like, oh, why did he why did he give them money and all that kind of stuff? And I completely get both sides of it. But I thought it was really poignant that she said, I wish that my brother would have really let the world know him better. Yeah. And I thought, ooh, what a statement. That statement could be a whole documentary in itself. Like, what exactly does she mean? You know, because I think basically what she's saying, because it what she's I mean, that could relate to so many aspects of Michael. But in this particular clip, she's talking about the allegations. So I think that she's saying, had he had he opened up more to the world and let the world know him better, maybe more people would believe what I know is true, which is that he is innocent. But because he hid so much of himself, people don't understand. Yeah. And I feel like that probably was motivation for her to do this documentary because she saw how misunderstood her brother was. And she's like, I don't want to be that way. That's a really good point, you know, because I was thinking like, you know, I don't want him to overshadow her, but it's like, I was thinking, imagine if there was a documentary like this about Michael. For sure, where Michael got the chance to do this. And if he was still alive, maybe it would happen. But, you know, I I actually was thinking about this the other day. I feel like if he was still alive today, there'd be a new set of allegations. It seemed that people took advantage of the fact that they're like, oh, people are going to believe this. Let's do it. Yeah. I think, I really do think he was innocent. I don't think that he was a molester. I don't. You know, it's it's really hard. I always, always defended him. I actually used to get made, like, brutally made fun of in school for it when I was 12. And me and my friend Allison, we loved Michael. We loved Janet. I actually remember Allison burning me a CD of Design of a Decade and printing out the oh. cover. And yeah, such a good friend, an iconic friend. And one day she actually wrote me a letter and she was like, I can't do this anymore. Do you think we can pretend that we don't like Michael? Do you think we can pretend that, you know, we think he's a freak because I can't take it anymore? I feel like I want to kill myself because of all the bullying. And I know it was that bad. We really got, because we were obnoxious about it too. We would sing their songs in the hallway. We were always dancing in all the shows. So like, you know, people were like enough already, but we really got made fun of hardcore. And I was so like, I wore Michael Jackson t-shirts to school and I was just so adamant. And I was like, I love Michael. He's not a monster. He's not a monster. And now I really just, I don't know what to think, but either way, whether he is innocent or guilty, even if he is guilty for me, I feel like I don't think of him as a monster in that case. I think of him as like a severely damaged individual who then took it out on other people, which is not okay. Right. But I don't think of him as like evil or any – like I don't – I also would never 
like even if there was a video of him like literally killing someone i would still enjoy his music and i would be able to separate it because i feel like the legacy of the music is so and what that does and how that inspires people i feel like that's important too well i think similar to the story of bill cosby um there's actually a documentary out right now i'm in the middle of watching it i'm probably going to continue it when we're done this you know and that's that's the debate it's like you know we now know that bill cosby is this monster but you know he was a huge part of so many people's lives for so many years do you just erase everything that was done before that already has the connection with your life or you know what i mean like with the art of it all and that's a debate that a lot of people have like what's the right thing to do in that case i do believe i don't know i i believe michael's innocent that's what janet is saying and you know what i believe i believe anything that comes out of janet jackson's mouth so that's where i stand i i i totally feel that she you know who would know him better yeah she's she's like i know my brother and he would never do something like that and she said this in the past if you're a family and your child's been molested there is not uh, if it were me there is not a dollar in the fucking world that would make up for what you did i would want to see you put behind bars i would Mm -hmm. never settle because that would not be enough for me I need to see you put away. The fact that they accepted the money, she said this, and I and I believe that too. The fact that they accepted that money only shows me that that's all they wanted was money from him. And that's what they got. Because if you really cared about your child, you would not accept money. It's not okay to pay $20 million to rape my child. No. No, of course not. And I think a lot for a lot of people, the newer documentary, Leaving Neverland, I think that yeah. was what convinced a lot of people of his guilt. And I did watch it just to be fair, yes. even though I love Michael. And I don't know, it's so, it's so difficult. It's so, so, so difficult. There's been a lot of conversations about, you know, the people in those in that documentary, Wade Robson. It just kills me that it's Wade Robson too. Of all, I know. Literally of all fucking people. So like, talented. Like, I cannot believe, it's like, there's so many stories that have come out that devalidate the things they're saying. And a part of me really, I don't know what to believe, but I'm choosing to believe that Michael would not do that and that he did not do that. We'll never know. We'll right. never know. Only only the people know that we're there. And any victims of molestation or abuse, I'm so sorry if this- Of course, uh, of course. You know, I don't mean to offend anyone. I believe victims. I really do. I always, my first instinct is to believe the victim. This is a really complicated one though. That is just so, there's so many aspects of it and there's so many different stories and so much time has gone by and all of the decades now of it is, is really overwhelming. So please understand that, you know, loving, growing up, loving someone so much, it's, it's really hard and, and, and confusing and, and messy. And so I'm really sorry if, if I'm offending anyone or if we're offending anyone by, you know, yes. taking Janet's word for it. Cause I, I understand how sensitive it is, but I think it's good that they didn't press her and they didn't say, well, what about this? And what about that? And what about Wade and all, because it wasn't, that wasn't what this was. And we didn't need Michael's story to again, engulf Janet's story. Exactly. I feel like it had to be mentioned because it just was that important in the history of it's just it is a part of her story because that's her family and she stood by him and it was very big in the media but I feel like it all the Michael mentioned like I said earlier in this conversation I think it was done very tastefully and respectfully it was and I felt it was so tragic she said that she wanted it to be like old times but the old times had passed yeah that was sad 
that was very sad. It seems like around the time of his history album and Scream that that was the time that he really started to be controlled by other people. And you just think, how did these people snake their way in past Janet? And there's so much more to it. But what they're good at. It, it, yeah, I think that she did a really good job of showing her love for him and standing by him. And the most heartbreaking part was Catherine, you know, not being able to speak about. Oh, my God, that was that was a lot. That was heartbreaking. All she said was, I can't. And you see the tears in her eyes. And she's like, okay, fair enough. We won't do this. Yeah. I don't think a mother can ever put into words no. losing a child. That's the most painful thing in the world. Well, in happier news, I like watching Janet play with the dogs in Atlanta. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. I always loved her dogs. She's always loved her dogs. She had a dog named Puffy in the 90s and in the 80s. And he was the love of her life. She's always been a big dog person. I, I love. I loved the time when, she, after, like I was, like we were saying, after Renee, and then the beginning of the relationship with Jermaine. Like I mean, aside from the Super Bowl, her personal life was obviously on a high. It makes me mad how casual Jermaine was about admitting to cheating on her in these interviews. Oh, Michael. Oh, Michael. 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 Just. I was. F- furious yeah like the lock is like i'm a man i was like oh no you're not a man you're not a man that's not a man like that's not what you do like come on and janet's like so gracious about it she's like i had heard he was cheating but it was other things you know what i mean like she just she talks about it but then she doesn't harp on it it's like Wow, you're a fucking angel. Like, I she, oh my god, the maturity, the sophistication, the strength. Yeah. Oh my god, for her to just say multiple times, he's such a good guy. And I'm like, but he cheated on you. And I know that it has nothing to do with her and it's his insecurity and his issues of why, why he cheated. But you're cheating on Janet Jackson. These men need to check themselves at the door. It's Janet Jackson and you're sleeping with some girl that comes up to you in the club and says oh my god I love Janet and he's that's what he like blames it on he was like oh it's actually so weird when you're with Janet other women love to talk to you I'm like yeah and you say you say yeah I'll tell Janet you said that thank you goodbye and then you go home alone until she gets back you know yeah I don't know I was definitely robbed the wrong way by all of that but you know what it is the reality men are absolute garbage all of them are (laughs) it's Oh, my God. It's just insane. And I, hey, he was like just laughing and saying, oh, you know, I was I was reckless. At least he admitted it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure they've gotten to a point in their relationship where they're past all of it. And that's why he was that's why he gave the interview. You know what I mean? I'm sure he knew he was going to look terrible from that. But she didn't. <laughs> it still looked like a beautiful relationship that she was madly in love with him. And, you know, she mentions that they were engaged. He asked her to marry her, and she said yes. Uh, they never got married. Although, I'll tell you, she did get married again, and she did not talk about him at all in this documentary. So we all know that that's because that is in the court. <laughs> yeah, I thought of that because I was like, damn. I was like, what Jermaine did is pretty bad, yet he's allowed to be here. Like, she obviously still has a lot of Love good feelings. Her. Yeah, so this, this uh, the latest 
wow. husband. Almana. Well, if you notice, Isa, her son, she doesn't show him at all in the documentary, which I'm surprised I thought she was going to show him. I'm sure that that has something to do with a lawsuit or a court or a custody agreement. I'm sure that she, there's a reason why she lives in London. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. I think that Jermaine was probably her last like beautiful relationship that she loved. I feel like Wasim was not a positive one for her. Um, although she got her beautiful baby boy out of it. So, I mean, I guess everything has its purpose. Um, but I did find it interesting that she did not mention Wasim at all in this doc. And kind of like, like the story transitions, like in the last episode from like the relationship with Jermaine to the rejuvenation of her career and having her baby. But there is a chunk, like they talk about when she did, why did I get married and whatever like that. And, there's brief, like, there's, like, a flash on the screen of Discipline and 20YO, but they don't really talk about those eras because they weren't that successful, even though the music was fantastic, especially on Discipline. I am a Rock With You fan, just by the way. Um, I love Discipline, and but even more, I love Unbreakable so much. I love Unbreakable. I just listened to it today. Um, so good. Every song is so amazing. And yes. I love that album. So I'm very happy with it. And I actually don't mind that they didn't mention Wasim Almana, to be honest. It doesn't bother me at all. I mean, I could have used it, but like, you know what? Irrelevant. That's irrelevant. And if she wants to talk about it in a book in 10 years, then there you go. She can. Um, yeah. I mean, I do wish they kind of got more into Unbreakable because I think that that was actually, I think that that's just the title and the song is like a Michael homage, right? The entire album, it just, it's, it, it, it sounds so much like him. Yeah. I feel like Michael could have, that could have been an album that Michael put out and it sounds exactly like him. It's crazy. It's so amazing. It does. And I can't tell you how many people I have recommended that album to, which I don't, I don't do that often, like just out of the clear blue, hear an album and then say you have, you know, I send it to someone. You have to listen to it, right. Yeah, and I, I've done that and most of the people that I have sent it to have said, oh my god, I didn't even know about this album, which is such a shame because it really is like, you guys, if you're listening, if you've made it this far into the podcast, please go, go stream it on Spotify or whatever oh, you have. It's a beautiful album. It's perfect R&B. It's so... It, it's just it's janet it's just janet it's so 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 phenomenal it's it's probably my favorite of her newer albums um and i just think it doesn't get enough play it really doesn't oh janet just posted an instagram of her brothers and her father when they were young with the hashtag black history happy black oh. everybody by the way yes happy black history month yes and i'm loving all the janet love on social media I'm loving that your albums are on the charts. Unbreakable was actually in the top 10 on the pop charts on iTunes. So obviously people were listening to Unbreakable, which makes me so happy. And I cannot wait for Black Diamond. The snippet that they played of her song, Love I Love, it sounds so funky and it sounds fun. And I can't wait to hear it. And I really believe that she's going to give us one last big, like one last musical moment. She's going to give it to us. It's going to be fantastic. It has to be this year, right? Uh, come on. The documentary's out. We heard the snippet of the single. I'm sure it's coming this year. Yeah, because she's being very quiet right now. She's really giving her documentary a moment, but I'm I'm thinking in a couple weeks maybe, right? We're going to get an announcement. I hope. I was hoping for an announcement at the end of the documentary, but I, I guess I was being <laughs> too positive. I was being optimistic. 
I need the new music, baby. I need the new music. You gave us the documentary, and now I want the album. But yeah, such a great... I think it was the documentary was closed in a very nice way as well. I feel I love seeing the footage of her meeting the stars, all the the testimonials from all the big celebrities saying that she's Mariah. In the words of Mariah, Janet inspired mm-hmm. everybody because she did. Seeing her get her flowers, seeing her getting the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, seeing her at the shows in China, at the Billboard Music Awards, it's an amazing thing to see. And and then to this day, seeing her in the studio recording the new song, it's like it's beautiful to see her still just doing her thing and you know better than ever at 55 years old absolutely and I loved how assertive she was about her pregnancy and having a baby at 50 because I know someone who had a baby at 41 and her pregnancy was literally called a geriatric pregnancy wow really by the doctor yes and I mean I don't know if people really realize what that actually takes for someone a 50 year old woman to have a baby and i love that just the way that she pushed the boundaries of music and artistry she also was like yeah i am not going to give up and i want to have this baby and i will have this baby and she has a perfect healthy baby boy so to all of us out there that freak out because we're like you know, like turning 30 or something. And we're like, oh no, if I want to have a baby, I have to get going on this whole thing. It's like, yes, not everybody can do it. You have to be very healthy, but look at the the strength that that, that, that took and she did it. Yeah. And like, like you said, she had a beautiful baby boy. And I've always known that Janet was going to be an amazing mother. I've always known she is such a gentle, soft nature. And uh, that's just like, magic for a child i mean we haven't seen much of him but what we have seen he's adorable and she loves him so much and the way she lights up when she talks about him is so amazing and so beautiful to see yes it made me so happy i'm so happy for her i truly i really am i loved her honesty about her body issues because i relate so much to that and when she said that she's a comfort eater like same girl Oh my God, me too. When I'm going through something, I mean, even when I'm not going through something, let's be honest, a big bowl of pasta is in my hand. But pasta after this, I'm so excited. Yes, me too. Me too. (laughs) You know, like Jen, if you ever read her book True You, she talks a lot about her body image and you know the names. I'm reading it now. It's so good. Like she talks a lot about it, and she does open up a lot in that book about a lot of things. So. That's how I've learned a lot, too. Like, she has written a book before. It wasn't, like, the meaning of Mariah Carey. It was more focused on her body image issues. But she's Mm -hmm. been very open about how she's had a very interesting relationship with food her whole entire life since she was a child. And she does talk about it in the documentary a little bit. But she obviously talks way more about it in the book. So if you guys want to know more, I, I highly recommend the book. It's actually a great read. I've read it several times. It's so worth it. Yes, I'm reading it now. I love it. I uh, I actually got it used for like $5 on mm-hmm. Discover Books. So trust me, it's it's worth reading. And I'm only like a quarter of the way through it, but it's, it's absolutely great. And uh, she just has so much that everybody can learn from and relate to and be empowered by. And I just love her. Janet, you're one of a kind. One of a kind queen. Thank you, Janet for giving this documentary to us. I can't tell you how grateful I am. 
especially so early in 2022, to have been getting such great art from my queens. Like Avril Lavigne's getting a new album. I'm getting the Janet Doc. We have Christina's Spanish record. You know, like they're out here doing the damn thing. And I'm so happy to see it. Now, give us a black diamond. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I'm go- I'm going to the tour. I don't care if it's a thousand dollars per ticket. I am going. I'm going. My life savings. I don't think I don't have much, but it's going to be a concert. <laughs> Look, if I have to sell on the black market for black diamond, I will. I will. Some things are just worth it. Not a problem. Well, Michael. Thank you so much for coming on to discuss this documentary. I'm just going to go eat my pasta and watch Janet music videos over and over again all night now. (laughs) That's exactly what one should be doing. I (laughs) might give this documentary a third rewatch because it's just, it's like candy to me. I just love watching Janet speak. And oh my God, for those of you who haven't watched it, you have to watch it. You can catch it on the Lifetime or any apps, but I'm sure, I know that you can purchase it on iTunes, you can purchase it on Amazon Prime, but I'm sure there'll be links to it soon. It's worth the watch, trust me. Let me know, what what did you guys think of the documentary? I would love to talk about it with you, and I will see you guys very soon. I don't know if it'll be Jessica, Ashley, or another bonus topic, but there's a lot going on on this podcast, so make sure you stay tuned, and I will talk to you guys soon. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Ashley and Jessica cast. I'm your host, Leah Russo. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Capriya Moon. That's at C-A-P-R-I-A-M-O-O-N. And follow the podcast at Ashley and Jessicast on Instagram and at Ashley Jessicast on Twitter. Please let me know your thoughts on the show. I would absolutely love to hear Ashley and Jessicast at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. See you next time.